call God by so many different names. He's our King. He's our Prince. He's our Savior. But He is the Waymaker. He is mighty in our lives, and He is light in this dark world. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only light. Let's lift the roof off of this place in honor of our God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you so good to us. We're going to end with We Exalt Thee. Very, very different style of song than what we've been singing today. It'll really encourage your heart and get you prepared for the message. So open your heart, open your mind, because God has a blessing for each and every one of us today. Sing with us.
be seated. Before we do our Bible decree, and before Pastor Luke comes up to preach, I've got a couple prayer requests. Number one, a very good brother friend of mine lost his sister a week ago. So Dennis lost his second sister in seven years, and um, he's just really heartbroken over it. And I ask you, Lord, to keep him in your prayers. And number two, Pastor's grandbaby, Libby, is going to have a surgical procedure this week. So I ask you to keep Libby and Megan and Travis in prayer as they deal with that and that the doctors will take good care of that little precious thing. So keep them in your prayers. If you have your Bible, lift it up high with me. We're going to do the Bible to decree together. Say it out loud with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Very good. Thank you. Children, you are dismissed. Pastor. Well, a good morning once again. We want to say thank you for joining us once again. If uh, this is your First time, second time joining us, or maybe your first time joining us online. My name is Pastor Luke. I am one of the assistant pastors here, filling in here in the pulpit as pastor and his family. They're out of town. He's on a little sabbatical just to recharge, get some rest and relaxation, so that way when he comes back, he is just fully charged up and Still ready to do things for God. So if you're just joining us this week, if you weren't here last week or you didn't catch our sermon last week, last week we started a two-part series that I am doing called Not a Fan, where we're trying to decide and discover if we are a fan of Christ or if we are a follower of Christ. And you may say, well, what is wrong with being a fan? I always thought a fan was a good thing. Well, a fan is described as an enthusiastic admirer. A fan, if you're watching a football or baseball or whatever type of game you're watching, a fan is the one who sits on the sidelines. They're not actually in the game. They really have no skin in the game. So if they lose or they win, you may be upset as a fan, but it doesn't really affect you. Where a follower of Jesus is one who walks in the footsteps of Christ. One who does everything they can, who strives to be Christ-like. That's what the word Christian means. It means to be Christ-like. So, how to become a follower of Christ instead of just a fan? Because a fan would know a lot about the Bible. A fan would have lots of scripture memorized. A fan would say, well, I know about this Jesus guy. But how do you become a follower of Christ? Well, the first step into becoming a follower of Christ is you have to, as we say, there's many different terms, you have to accept Christ in your heart. You have to become a true Christian. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's step number one. You have to say, all right, God, and it doesn't even have to be these words. It can be any words as long as they're true from your heart. You say, God, I know I'm a sinner. 
I know I mess up each and every single day, but I know that you died on the cross for me. So forgive me for my sins of the times that I have messed up and the times that I am going to mess up. Renew me, make me a new person. Come into my life and change me. That's step one to becoming a follower of Christ. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, or you have never put your faith in Christ, I encourage you to do it today. Don't shut the computer off. Don't walk out the doors today before you make that decision. At the end of service, we're going to have a time of reflection, a time of invitation, an altar call where you will have the opportunity to decide whether you want to put your faith in Christ or you want to keep walking the life that you are and eventually end up in hell without Christ. That's all up to you. Here is what I heard. It says this, My concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to stadiums. And every week, fans come to the stadiums to cheer for Jesus, but have no interest in truly following Him. The biggest threat to churches today is fans that who call themselves Christians, but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so re- close that it requires anything from them. At the beginning of this uh, one DC talk song, an older song from the 90s, it says this, it says that it's Christians who make Christianity give a bad name. Because there's so many people out there saying, I love Jesus, but then they deny Him by their lifestyle because they're not truly following Him. The key verse to this whole sermon series that we've been doing is Luke 9.23. And it says this, And he, meaning Jesus, said to them all, If any man come after me, if anybody who really wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So Jesus is saying here, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be called a follower, if you want to be called a Christian, if you want people to look at you and say, that person, there's something different about them, but it's a good type of different. They, they remind me of Jesus from the Bible. Then he says, you must take up your cross. And we talked a lot about that last week, about what it means to take up your cross and why the cross. So if you, didn't, if you weren't here, you didn't hear, I encourage you to go listen to that because you can really see why did Jesus tell us to take up our cross and what does the cross really mean. A lot of people will say, you know what, I will die for Jesus. I love him so much, I will die for him. Well, how can we die for him when we won't even live for him? Go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can get into your word. Lead me today as I speak. Speak through me. And let us truly see what it means to follow you. In your holy, 
most precious name. Amen. So taking up your cross and following Jesus can and will bring you pain and suffering. You can't carry a cross without suffering. Can you really say that you are carrying a cross if it hasn't cost you anything? If there's no sacrifice involved, if you're at least, not least, at least a bit uncomfortable, then there's a good chance that you're not carrying a cross. Being a follower of Jesus will not be easy. It will always cost you something. For some people, it'll cost them their relationship. For some people, when their relationship with Jesus hurts their relationship with others, that's asking too much. So last week, we talked about defining the relationship. And we talked about a man named Nicodemus who had to define the relationship with God. And Nicodemus finally decided to be a true follower of Christ. And when he did, it was a major decision. It would cost him a powerful position. It would cost him the respect of his co-workers. It would cost him the source of his livelihood. And it would cost him friends and family. And in the end, we see that it cost him his life when he died for Christ. The second part of Luke 9.23 says this, If you want to be called a Christian, you must deny yourself. You must say, I am not what I used to be. A lot of times in recovery, they, they will stand up and say, I am an alcoholic, or I am an addict. But when you become a follower of Christ, you are no longer those things. Second Corinthians says, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. God says, you are made new. All those things that you were are no more. In Ephesians 4, it says, you have to put off the old self and put on the new. All those things that you used to do before Christ that are unbiblical and ungodly, you have to put them off and not do them anymore. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2, And be not conformed to this world. Don't try and look like this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, you can't come after Jesus without denying yourself. The phrase deny yourself isn't just saying no to yourself or even resisting yourself. It's acknowledging that you don't even exist anymore because you are totally God's. And the last part of Luke 9.23 says this, follow me. Today we're going to talk about somebody who knew what it meant to truly follow Jesus and knew the cost of following Jesus. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, so you can go ahead and turn there. We'll get to some scripture here in a minute. But we're going to talk about a man named Peter, somebody we have all heard about before, a disciple of Jesus who knew what it truly meant to take up his cross 
and follow him. But he also knew what it meant to let Jesus down. Some would say that Peter failed when he let Jesus down. And maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you feel that weight of let down. Maybe you feel like some sort of personal failure. You let somebody down. You let God down. You didn't perform in a way that you really thought you were supposed to. And you feel the weight of that. All of us have been in that situation. I have been in that situation where I have felt like a failure and I have felt like I have failed God because of something that I have done. And I don't know what that is today for you, but maybe you made a vow to God and you broke it. You made a commitment to somebody and you didn't fulfill that. Maybe you're facing a financial mountain right now and you think, how am I ever going to get out of this debt? Maybe some of you have an estranged relationship with your kids. And maybe for some of you, it's a lot simpler than that. You had a dream. You had a plan. But then life happened. And you thought you were going to be a lot further along in your life, in your career, than you were, than you are. And you're like, wow. I'm a failure. I didn't do what I set out to do, what I wanted to do. If I could just go back and change it. Well, we're going to look at Peter, a man who deserved to be counted out, but because of the grace of God, he was given another chance. And it's that way for us. No matter what we have done, we deserve to be counted out because there is no way we can ever live up to everything that is in this book. But because of the grace of God, He gives us chance after chance after chance because He loves us. Here is something that I have to remind myself about all the time and I want you to really take this to heart. You are not a failure. A failure is an event, not a person. A failure is something that happened, not someone. No matter what you're going through, what you have done, you are not a failure. You are chosen, and God loves you. So put all that behind you that you think you are a failure. So we're going to start in verse 52 of Luke 22. And a little backstory of what we're getting to here is this is a scripture we would normally hear around Easter time. Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. He has had what we call the Last Supper with them. And he comes to Peter and he says, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, Lord, I will never deny you. I love you. And here they are in the garden. And Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And here comes the Roman soldiers to take him away. And this is a little different. We're not really going to go through the points today, but the two main points that I want you to get from this message today is this. One, Peter underestimated his own weakness 
And the second thing I want you to take away is he followed at a distance. He underestimated his own weakness and he followed at a distance. So let's look at Luke 22, starting in verse 52. It says this, Then Jesus spoke to the leading priest, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. And I, some dangerous revolutionary, he asked them, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why did you... Why did you arrest me in the why didn't you arrest me in the temple when I was there the other day? But this is your moment when the time and the power of the darkness reigns. So they arrested him and led him out to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. Very important there. Peter followed at a distance. Verse fifty five. Then the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. And a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of the followers of Jesus. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter resorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of them too, because he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned around and he looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you don't even know me. And Peter left the courtyard and wept bitterly. I want to tell you this, that you are only as strong as you are honest. We have to be honest with ourselves. And Peter was not very honest with himself. And every single one of us are capable of sinning and messing up and falling short, and letting God down, and letting ourselves down, and falling away from the promises we made. We are all capable of a horrific sin at any moment. And that will make, that's what makes us human and in need of a Savior. Paul said this, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. In other words, maybe you would say, I would never have an affair. I would never cheat. Be careful. We have to be very careful of our own weaknesses. I think I tend to be a pretty patient person. I try really hard, especially while driving, even though there's a bunch of idiots out there on the road. Just being honest, I'm laying it all down for you today. But I I normally think, you know what, I'll get there when I get there. But there could be that one time where I really want to get somewhere, or I'm really hungry, and all that could go out the window, and I could be smacking my steering wheel and telling that person that they are number one. And I'm not talking about this finger. All of that could go out the window. We just have to recognize our weakness. 
I am not above sin. I want you to know that just because I have a little title called assistant pastor and I get the opportunity to stand up here and preach, there is no way that I or anybody else you ever meet here on this earth is above sin. We all know that. And if you're taking notes, I want you to really write this down and commit it to memory. That acknowledging weakness is the first step towards true strength. We kind of talked about this on Thursday night. We had split up into groups and we talked about the sin of lust. And we said, we have to know as men where our boundaries are. And we have to stay as far away from them as possible. Because once we start getting close to the boundary line, then we might start moving it little by little. Well, my boundary was here, but I'm going to kick it a little bit here. But if we know our own weakness and be like, hey, that's my weakness in anything that we do, and we stay all the way over here and say, I know my weakness, I'm not even walking towards that. That is where we will find true strength. Peter didn't recognize his own weakness. He thought he was above that. He said, I will die with you, Jesus. Let's look at verse 54 here in Luke 22. It says, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him unto the high priest's house. And Peter followed at a distance. We get to choose how close we are to Jesus. Nobody else gets to tell you how close you can be to Jesus. You are the one who makes that decision. You want to be in His Word, and you want the Holy Spirit leading you. You want to be serving in the church. You want to be in the action. You want to be close enough to Jesus and value Him above all else. But tragically today, and quite honestly In churches across America and across the world, it is more comfortable to follow Jesus at a distance. I said it last week and I'll say it again. People want to be close enough to Jesus to have eternal life, but not close enough that it requires personal sacrifice. So, Jesus, keep me out of the hot place when I die and let me go to where the angels are. I want to be heaven and all that kind of stuff. I want the blessings and the comfort. But I don't want the cost of following you. I don't want people to think that I'm a Jesus freak or a Bible thumper. I don't want to make people feel bad. So why should I tell them what the Bible says? It's good to be closer sometimes. This is something that I noticed from years of sitting in the back at the sound. And when we go to other churches, when we have that opportunity, I don't like to sit all the way in the back. Because if I'm all the way in the back, if I'm further away from what is truly happening, there's more distractions that you can see. When you're back there, you can see everybody who's, oh, I'm on the Bible app. No, you're not. You're playing a game. You're on Facebook. Or you get to see, if you're in the back, you get to see everybody that has to step out for a minute. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, 
wow, you know how many people stepped out today? There's so many distractions the further away you are. I want to be able to worship more intimately without all those distractions. So when you sit down further, you have no idea what is going on in the back. Because you're right here. Me and Allie love music and we love concerts. And about ten years ago, she won tickets to Bon Jovi. So we went up to the radio station. We're like, sweet, this is going to be awesome. We went up there. We got the tickets. We're like, hey, this radio station, they probably got some pretty good tickets. We get them. We're like, huh. Look it up. We get there. Like, oh. Oh. All the way up there. We were like two or three rows from the back. All the way up in the nosebleed sections. And it was a good concert. But it would have been so much more awesome if we were right down front, right in the action, seeing what's going on instead of trying to squint. Because we were at a distance, we didn't get the full experience. So when you're at a distance with Jesus, you don't get to fully get all those blessings that He wants to give you and fully live the complete life that He has set out for you because You're so far away from Him. I want to be so close to Jesus that I can hear His voice and sense His presence. I want to be the one who gets here early and be able to spend time with Jesus by myself. Nobody else is here. We get to come in. We get to put the music on. I get to test the mics out. And even when we live next door, I would get to come over here by myself, sometimes 6 o'clock in the morning, i got to go over there and get ready. And just spend time. And you don't have to spend time. It doesn't have to be here. It can be any place that you get to go to where you say, wow, this is the place where I feel Jesus is speaking to me. I want His presence to be leading me every day. And I will argue all day long And you, and this is just my opinion, and you can disagree with me because you have the option of being wrong, but I will argue all day long that if Peter would have been physically close to Jesus, if he would have followed Him right as soon as they stepped out of the garden, that he never would have denied Jesus. Why? Because just a few moments earlier, when they were in the garden and they came to take him away, he grabbed somebody's sword and he cut off somebody's ear and he said, I will die for you, Jesus, because he was physically close to him. And that's what we have to do. We have to be in there. We have to be in the fight for Jesus. But he followed at a distance and suddenly he was so much more vulnerable. If we could just get into the mind of Peter, what was Peter actually thinking at that moment? We don't really know because it doesn't say, but at a Good Friday this past year, I did this little monologue, and I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read it today. I'm not going to perform it. But this is kind of maybe what was in Peter's mindset after that happened. It says this, The whole night... They say the rooster's crow is God's wake-up call. At least it was for me. That whole night was a blur. I didn't comprehend. None of us could comprehend everything that was going on. One minute, Jesus is washing our feet. And the next, 
were off in the garden, and Jesus is praying by himself. I fell asleep. I'm not proud of it. I had a big meal. Bread, it makes me sleepy. We all kept nodding off. Next thing I know, Judas is planting a kiss on Jesus' cheek, and I cut off some guy's ear. It was a mistake. I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. Jesus is taken away, and we all ran. But it wasn't just a couple hours before I looked at him in the eye and I told him, if everyone else abandons you, I never will. So I stopped running and I went back. The guards, they took him to the high priest's house. I try to get in and I'm standing at the door. And this girl comes up to me and says, you, you were with him. You were with that Jew who claims to be the son of God. You're one of his disciples. I felt eyes look at me from all around. Someone was asking me if I knew Jesus. I had been exposed. I brushed her off and I said, no, you got the wrong guy. I finally get in and I'm warming up by the fire in the middle of the courtyard when one of the guards recognizes me and he was from the whole ear incident thing. And he says, get him. He was with him. I say, no, no, I'm not. It was easier second time to deny Jesus. And that's how it is. It gets easier and easier to say, I don't know him. I don't need my Bible. I'm good. Then some wise guy, he came up, came up to me and says, I can tell by your accent. I can tell by the way you talk. And I said, no, no, this is just the way I talk. Get away from me. I don't know him. And then I heard the most blood-curling sound ever. I hear that rooster crowing. And that's when Jesus turned and he looked at me. And he knew. And I was looking into the eyes of Jesus. And his gaze. There's no escaping his gaze. The way he looked at me. I let him down. So Peter a disciple who walked with Jesus and saw His miracles and even walked on the water himself, made the mistake of not following Jesus close enough. So what keeps us from following God? What keeps you from following God? Check out this video and let this video play a part in it. Hey, Morty, Morty, give me a smoke, Morty. There you go. I just need one. I just need one. Just give me one. There you go. Just there. I got it. I, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Watch this, Morty. I've been doing this since I was in high school. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Smoke rings, Marty. Smoke rings. I still got it, huh? Watch that. 
I tell you, since we were just kids, we said we're going to stop the big things and even the small things in our lives. I say it's not too late. I say we stop today. How about tomorrow? Okay. <laughs> what keeps you from following God? What keeps us from following God? Maybe if we're to look at it, maybe, maybe it's just our fear. Grandpa? Yes, what is it? Grandpa? What is it, partner? Uh, can I ask you some questions? Shoot, Kimasabi. Okay. Um... Grandpa? Yep, buddy. Um, what, what, what does it mean when, um, the, the angel, what does it mean when, um, when, when it rains? Well, puppy. Uh. Puppy? That means that the, uh. Puppy? That's a little nickname I give you. <laughs> puppy. That's better than calling you a dog. Okay. What was your question? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What Welcome was... to my world. <laughs> What does it mean when, when it rains? Well, it rains, let me see. Grandpa. I'll tell you what, Buckaroo. <laughs> that, uh, that means that the angels are crying. They're uh -huh, sad about uh -huh, something. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what, is, what does it mean? What does it mean when, when it snows? Well, Chip, it means, uh, <laughs> means that they're shampooing their hairs. Mm. Grandpa? <laughs> oh. Oh. Grandpa? What is it? Their scooter? <laughs> What does it mean? What does it mean when when it thunders? Well, that means the angels had chalupas for dinner the night before. Okay. Grandpa? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Grandpa? Yeah, fine. <laughs> what? What is? What is? Why? Why do pretty people marry ugly people? <laughs> oh, squirt. Uh, well, that's because love is blind. Mm. But don't talk about your grandma that way. kids are doing. 23 skidoo. Oh, this is the part of the skit where I was supposed to segue into something serious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're making it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, buddy boo. Grandpa? Come on, princess. You can do it. <laughs> Grandpa? Yep. Grandpa, yep. Why, yep. how come? How come when? Um, how come every time we we, we see those planes mm -hmm. when they hit those buildings and all those people died and 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 if and if and if bad stuff happens all the time? I mean, if God loves everybody, why does all that bad stuff? And sometimes, when I grow up, I'm really really afraid that there's going to be some bad. Now you listen. Your old grandpa will spin stories and tell you tales all day long. But what I'm about to tell you right now is the truth. Since the beginning of time, good and evil have been battling it out. But I've read the book all the way to the end. And in the end, God wins. God
God wins in the end. What, what keeps you, what keeps us from following God? Maybe it's the way we, we procrastinate the things that we just know are truth. We procrastinate good versus evil. We procrastinate right versus wrong. Hey, hey, Dad. Yeah. Uh, those are not my cigarettes. These are not your cigarettes? <laughs> nah, but you can put them in here. <laughs> All right. That didn't really work out like I planned. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, uh, my buddies are uh-huh. going to see this movie, uh-huh. okay? And I know you and I know about the movie. We talked about it, uh-huh. okay? But before you say anything, uh-huh. before you say anything, okay? Uh-huh. I know, okay? I know that there is some cussing in the movie, uh-huh. okay? But it's just a little bit, okay? Just a little bit, and I know it's not real, uh-huh. okay? And um, there's some violence, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's just a little bit, just a little bit, and I know it's not real, you yeah. know? Yeah. And there is some nudity in it, okay? Uh, but it's just a little, it's just a little, and I know it's not real. Mm-hmm. But anyway, can I please go see the movie, please? Please, 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 please. Okay. I, I knew it. You don't ever let me do anything. What do you say? You can go see the movie. That's awesome. You're the coolest guy in the whole wide world. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you go, I knew we were going to have this conversation again, so um, I decided I would make you some of my famous brownies that you loved since you were a kid. These are, these are my favorite brownies You've in the whole wide world. You've loved those brownies since you were I a little these. kid. And so I thought I'd just make them for you. You know, I, same great ingredients that I always put in those brownies, yeah. but this time I just added a little bit of something, just a little bit of something. It shouldn't affect the whole batch. It's just a little bit of something. You shouldn't mess with perfection. That's, that's my point exactly. That's my point exactly. Yeah. But I've added the same ingredients that I always have. You've got the eggs, the flour, the cocoa. You've got the little bit of vanilla. You've got the almonds. Same great ingredients that I always put in Powdered there. Powdered sugar. Powdered sugar is in there. But this time I added just a little bit of something. Brown sugar. Brown sugar. A little bit of brown sugar, yeah. White sugar. Uh, uh, sure, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that at lib. Sure. See, but um, see, but I added just a little bit of something in there. Just a little bit of something. It shouldn't affect the whole batch, though. Cumin? No. Allspice? No. Old spice? No. I can taste a little difference. Just but, a, but it shouldn't affect the whole batch, son. It's just a little bit. I mean, yes, same wonderful ingredients, but it's just a little bit of something. What is it? Dog poop. Excuse so, me? Just a little bit, son. It's just a little bit. <laughs> it is dog poop. From the big dog or the little dog? From the little dog. That's a load off. Why would you put dog poop in the brownie? Son, it shouldn't affect the whole batch. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. I get it. What? It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. What? Hey, the next time you don't want me to go see a movie, just say, Son, don't go see a movie. Don't feed me poop brownies. I don't even want to go to the movie now. I just want to go get something to drink. That better be lemonade in the refrigerator. <laughs> what keeps you from following God? What keeps us from following God? Bottom line, maybe, maybe it's just us. Hey, hey, where were you this weekend? Oh, uh, I was uh, at a thing with my church. Oh, that's right, dude. Yeah, yeah you yeah. should have invited me. I've totally invited you to church so many times, but you never go. You're a total atheist. What? You're a total atheist. Dude, I am not an atheist. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I just don't believe in God. <laughs> yeah, guess I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. Learn yeah. something new every day. Yeah. How was it? 
Sure, it was good. You know, I mean, yeah. God showed up, stuff like that. It was good. Whoa, 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 wait. God showed up? Yeah, God showed up. Okay, humor me, because I don't even believe in the guy, right? How do you know God shows up? What? Like a big white limo pulls up, man. Door opens up, fog grows out. It's all like, ladies and gentlemen, God is in the hizzow. <laughs> like steps out. Oh, bless you, bless you, peace. No, I, I can't explain how God works. It's kind of like a microwave. I mean, I can't explain how a microwave, but we use Please, a microwave. Dude, you know, no. it's kind of the same way. God, uh -huh, uh -huh. Don't give what? me that, okay? What? Oh, I can't explain it. I can't. That's the problem with you Christians. I don't know how to explain God. He's just no, no, there. no, no, no. Here, here, here. It's right here. Right, it's right here. Well, you talked about a microwave. A microwave has a manual. I can read it and explain it to you. Right, right. I knew you were going with that. Here's our manual. The Bible. Yeah, the Bible. This is your manual. It's a manual. Yeah. Right, show me. Show, show me where want. it says how God shows up. All right. Well, I mean, um, well, kind of put me on the spot. I mean, okay. Well, John three sixteen. Don't give me John three sixteen. I'm an atheist, and I know what that says. Well, you put me on the spot. I mean, I didn't Dude, have to. I didn't that's have not to. a manual. No, it that's ain't. a trophy. It's not a trophy. Why that is it? You don't even know what's in there. I do know what's in no, there. No, you don't. It's something for you to carry around. I mean, the truth is, Christianity is a joke anyway. It's not a joke because I couldn't give you a few scriptures. It's no, a no, joke. No, Christianity is a joke because Christians don't act like they're supposed to Christ. It, <laughs> Dude, no. You know what? It's it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. Okay? Why? Here's why. Because you and I are the same person. Okay? We act the same. We talk the same. We do the same things. Ask anybody that knows both of us, and they'll say the only difference between you and me is you don't get to sleep in on Sundays, and I do. Okay? So so it's it's not a big deal. You and I are the same one. And if you're okay, then I'm okay. Mister, what does your mom say? Going to hell in a handbasket, right? If I'm okay, you're okay. It's all good. So not fair. Not fair, you say? What did you just call me? Call you anything? No, you called me a name. What did you just call me? I didn't call you anything. Yes, you did. What no, you I didn't. Call? You said it wasn't fair, and I said that's not fair. You say. Oh, what do you think I said? But you called me a Pharisee. What's that? Religious person that looked good on the outside but was empty on the inside, no substance. Yeah, I need to call you that. Look, I don't want to argue with you. Yeah. Me and some of the guys are going to go see a movie later. You want to come? Sure. I'll come pick you up. Oh, hey. It's kind of a racy movie. You might want to bring your manual with you. Just kidding. What keeps us from following God? You know what that thing is. You know what your, those things in for your students. What keeps you from following God? Bottom line, most of the time, it's just us. May I encourage you, may we just encourage you to keep running the race and finish strong. Thank you. So... For you, is it a manual or is it a trophy? Is it something you have just to show off? Do you feel like that description of a Pharisee sometimes? Do you feel like you look good on the outside, but really on the inside, you're empty, not truly following Christ. So what keeps you, what keeps us, what keeps me from following God? What are some of the scenes that would unfold differently in your life if you were a follower instead of a fan? What would your life look like if you completely followed Jesus? No excuses. Wherever. Whenever.
one place you find it most difficult to follow Jesus. If Jesus said, if you said to Jesus, wherever, where would be that one place that he would point and say, there? Wherever. What about in our own homes? There's a tendency to carry a cross and follow Jesus. But before we walk in the door of our own home, we leave that cross on the front porch and say, I'll leave it here and I'll pick it up the next time I walk out the door. Instead of submitting, you stand up for your rights. Instead of serving each other, you just sit around. Instead of being patient with your spouse or your children, you're demanding. Instead of being encouraging, we are constantly critical. Instead of being a spiritual leader, you're passive and apathetic in your own home. So what about there? Wherever. What about at work? At 9 a.m. during the week when you clock in, Sometimes you'll find many fans getting out of their car and saying to Jesus, you wait here. I'll be back around five. When they clock in for work, they clock out of the following. You justify greed by calling it ambition. You rationalize dishonesty and call it shrewd business. You stay quiet about your faith at work and call it the intolerant. May be down, but you're not out. The rest of the story about Peter, if you don't already know it. Here's the awesome thing about Jesus showing Peter grace, and he can show us grace in the same exact way. Peter learned that you may walk on water for a little bit, you may walk on water for a few minutes, but the next you could be sinking. But he also learned that failure is not fatal. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, is the same guy who got to preach on the day of Pentecost where thousands of souls were saved and entered into the kingdom of God. The same guy who denied Christ got to stand on one of the biggest stages and proclaim Him as His Savior in the only way to true happiness and holiness. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4.16, But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. In another version it says, If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear His name. So today is the day that you surrender that secret sin. Today is the day. The time is now. Don't tell yourself like the guys at the beginning of the video, how about tomorrow? Today is the day all of us to start living for Him. Joshua 24, 15 says this, But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. Would you prefer
share the story behind it, and I've shared it a few times before, and I just, I love it so much, and it's just so touchy. But here it is in the mid-19th century. A Welsh missionary was there in India, and he was witnessing to all the tribes. And eventually, an Indian man heard the gospel of Jesus, and he decided to convert from serving the gods that he served to the one true living God and to serving Jesus Christ. This made the leaders of the tribe very angry and upset that he was now serving this so-called Jesus Christ. And they were very angry about it. And they said, you need to recount your faith. You need to take it back and you need to not talk about Jesus or there is going to be punishment. And the man's reply was the first verse. I have decided wants me more than just cheering him on. He wants me to 
truly follow Him. So that's your choice today, to either be a fan or a follower. And like I said, we're going to open up for a time of invitation. We're going to sing a song, and we invite you to come down and lay all those things